0: Welcome to an In The Money Players podcast. This is a special edition focusing on the pick six with a carryover on Thursday afternoon at Aqueduct. That was induced, of course, by a long shot winner of the Wood Memorial. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Nick Tamaro here hosting this edition, joined by New York Racing Association analyst and handicapper, the inimitable Andy Serling. Andy, how you doing, my friend?
1: I'm good. I'm approaching this knowing that I can't have... I don't think I could have significantly worse opinions on this pick six than I did on Saturday's wood card.
0: You know, I've, I was thinking about that when, when I was, was getting ready to, to start this with you. And I thought to myself, usually by now, it's Wednesday. The wood card was Saturday. I've come across somebody that is in my circle of friends that had a good day on Saturday. And I'm, I'm coming up empty. There's just no one that I know that had a good day. It's been more of, oh, I got killed. Oh, I got crushed. Oh, I had no good ideas. Oh, my opinions all sucked. Oh, I took a tough beat. This and that. I mean, there's been nothing. I took no tough beats.
1: I want to be very clear. (laughs) I didn't take a single tough beat. Um, My only regret was that unlike um, Sunday, on Easter Sunday, I could log into my Naira bets account. That was my biggest regret.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I... I, mean, I, had a, I had a, I had a, I needed, the, right. I needed the favorite. I texted you on Saturday. I needed the favorite yeah. entry for Chad Brown in the fifth for a double. That's not a tough beat by any means. It was no. a narrow margin, but those Remarkable two had no excuse beat. whatsoever.
1: Right. Remarkable beat, but not tough.
0: Yeah, pretty, pretty incredible beat. But um, I guess we can talk just for a second before we get started about that Wood Memorial won by Lord Miles. I think you and I share a an opinion and it was something I was thinking about and we were texting the other day with regards to that race itself. And I put a poll up on Twitter and it went exactly the way we thought it would, which... Uh, the question was, which Brad Coxhorse has a better chance of winning the Kentucky Derby that ran second on Saturday? Was it hit show or verifying, verifying one with about two thirds of the vote? I think you and I would come in pretty strongly on the other side of that uh, vote.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I come yeah very strongly. You know, I have to I I'm a little concerned that I have a bit of an inherent bias. Um for 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 show because he ran in the wood. I'm not you know it's it's a little hard because I I do want to see horse do well in the race but I think there is a reasonable argument. I don't think there's any concern that he would be a mile, he can handle a mile and a quarter. He just might not be good enough. But he's a horse that ran away from probably his best nature because of the post. Manny really rode him to get in the race and I totally understand why he did, but I don't think it was in the best interests of that horse's chances. In, in the grand scheme of things, I think he had no choice on Saturday. Um, and, and, and I don't mean this is a criticism of Manny at all or whoever gave the instructions. I think they did what they had to do to make sure that they could basically qualify for the Derby. But in a race like the Derby, he's going to be nowhere near the lead. And, you know, presumably there will be at least some pace in there. And I think he'll get to run his better race. And he's a horse that's improved every start. And I think it's arguably fair to say he improved again with this start. He hadn't run in, what, over two months or two months so i i think he's an interesting factor I, I i think Verified is a really good horse but i don't think he's a 10 furlong horse i think he had a shining moment in bluegrass and i think he's a horse we could hear from had he made the woody and eventually makes the uh the um the, the island jerkins but I, I seriously doubt that he's going to be effective against these sources at 10 furlongs
0: yeah two parts that i answer of course both that we uh, that you think that hit Show might not have had the opportunity to run an optimal race given the race flow and the dynamics and also that Verifying doesn't have much of a chance in the Derby. And and that's that's kind of, that was, I guess, a little bit more of, of my thought was that we, as you said, we saw his very best on Saturday. And look, I mean, his very best was solid. It was a 99 buyer speed figure and he took Tappet Trice all the way to the wire. But if you, I think you you can't simulate that kind of trip for him in the Derby. And if I did tell you he's going to get a, a good stocking trip in second or third and be right in the mix at the quarter pole, I still don't think I'm buying him at, at pretty much any price.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think your your principle is sort of like, I don't know if Hit show really has much chance, but I, I'd like to book the other horse. So exactly. whatever, you know, right. it's sort of like that. I would book $100 on that horse to bet $100 on the other horse. I'll take my chances. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I don't, I'm trying to keep an open mind. and I'll, you know, We'll see. And I, I want to look at the field when they're put together and take a look. So I certainly don't want to be too against a horse like Verifying, who, like you, I think is a really good horse. And maybe one of the more talented horses in the Derby. I'm just not sure it's really the right race for him. I think it's a fast. Because there's no standout standout for this Derby by any stretch of the imagination. And the gap between maybe the 13th best horse or the 10th best horse and the best horse, theoretical on each, is not that severe. So if you can make a case, whether it's trip case or, you know, potential trip or a past trip or something, I think there's it's going to be possible to make cases for a lot of horses or a number of horses that are going to be significantly strong prices, because I think the favorites are very vulnerable. They're solid in certain ways, but they're vulnerable in others
0: yeah I totally agree I was actually just going to say I mean this is a this is a creative handicappers type of derby where if you can can come up with something that you can really base an opinion on and um, and, and develop it you know through I guess the studying and research associated with it, then it, it, it's going to provide a tremendous opportunity. I mean this race provides a, a great opportunity to to win uh, on a yearly basis. I usually lose so'm I'm, I'm well prepared for that to happen again um, but it, it doesn't mean I won't try?
1: No, no. Then I think it's fun, and I think the other thing is that all these, all these, all of these handicapping conversations are fun, and and the reason that we want, we love the game is that we like the handicap, and I think it's a shared love that you and I have. And talking about the races is interesting, and learning from people who have different opinions from you and opinions you respect. Um, yeah, I, I, I like to hear the other opinions, and there's a lot going on here. I'll it, be interested to see what happens to this Derby, and. I think, I hope it continues that these horses stay sound because one thing that's happened a lot this year is we really haven't seen horses other than Arabian Night go by the wayside.
0: That's a good point. We've seen them run frequently and run somewhat frequently, and we've seen a few different winners of some of the races. That's why the point situation is exactly where it is. But uh, that's enough of our uh, Derby. Look, we'll be uh, preparing for this race quite a bit more in about three weeks. What we are here for is the Aqueduct Pick 6 on Thursday afternoon with a carryover of over $66,700. It's an eight-race card, so it begins in race three at 224 Eastern time, going a mile on the main track. These are three life claimers. Probably going to be the shortest-priced favorite in the sequence, in my opinion, number two colloquy in this first leg. Did you think it was uh, basically his race to lose?
1: Well, yeah, well, yeah, he's the horse to beat by a lot. And as you say, if somebody's going to single a short-priced horse, he is the most likely because it's very hard to look at the other races and narrow them down, basically even to two, realistically. Now, I picked against him, but there's a big difference between – taking a stand and betting against him and, and 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 what I would do in a pick six. He would have to be an A in a pick six. But I think Midnight Worker is a little bit interesting. Um, he, he was wide and wide to absolute nowhere, taking no money last time out, um, arguably against better horses. And I thought he ran very well two back. And if he could run the race, he ran two back to win. Now, it is a little bit problematic that his two good races, his last four are both on wet tracks. No argument about it. And he's not going to get one of those, thankfully, tomorrow. But he still ran those races. He has some speed. He could be he's supposed to be in front. I mean, Weiss is supposed to be aggressive with him. And he's the only horse that I could take to beat Colloquy. So I, I would use the two and seven. I don't know if you had any similar or different thoughts.
0: I didn't. I mean, I, I, I picked the race two, three, seven, five. I guess I had a little bit of affinity for Skylander, but I, I don't know if maybe we've seen his best and those days are gone. I always fear Charlie Baker in a scenario where he freshens a horse off. He's got generally has very good a lot of success with these types, but this horse's last race was not particularly good. Maybe he's proven that he wants to go shorter than the mile and an eighth. And it is a, a sizable drop in class back to the level at which he was taken. I think for, you know, for the majority of my tickets, I'd probably stand alone with Colloquy and then use the three and seven in some uh, some capacity as backups. I, I, I thought that Midnight Worker's other potential advantage was that uh, he looks like the main speed. I mean, it, it doesn't appear as if, and you alluded to that, as if there's going to be a lot of of a battle, and there's rarely a battle on the front end. But he uh, he looks like a horse that that should be able to position himself forwardly. Don't love that he had an issue getting out of the gate a little bit last time. But again, I mean, this is a scenario where if he's going to be if he's going to be dangerous, it's here.
1: Yeah, but the thing is, it's not going to you know compromise Skylander, who has no speed, but it won't compromise Colloquy who has enough speed to be sitting second.
0: No doubt about it. That's the first leg. Let's go to leg number two. These are twenty five thousand dollar claimers, Phillies and mares at six furlongs on the main track, and uh, looked like a pretty decent matchup of of somewhat evenly matched horses, depending on how you felt about the principles, including the seven Diva Banker. I like the two quality stones. I thought this horse ran well last time. I thought that was a hot pace. It was better horses. She was a little bit outside. I don't think it was influential, but the blinkers going on, I mean, this felt to me like a situation where I know she might have to deal with beautiful Karen early, but if Dylan commits himself to the lead, I still think this horse has races going back that are just a little bit too good for them. Diva Banker seemed somewhat obvious to me as well, so I know I would, would use them both as uh, main horses. I didn't really have a big argument against Beautiful Karen either. I just couldn't quite come up with the right scenario for her to win. What, what did you think about this second leg? Yeah, maybe I've just never been a Beautiful
1: Karen fan, but I'm not her biggest fan. I'm with you, with two and seven. I mean, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't feel like the prior race where I feel like it's a very strong likelihood that we're right. Um, with the two and the seven as the price horse or something. I, I do think the Quality Stones is a potential speed here and is supposed to be aggressive. And it'd be very foolish if Dylan wasn't. And I think the Biva Bankers is sort of a logical horse dropping down who hasn't run that badly. I'm not. This is not a race I'm a big fan of. I don't really trust all these horses. I suppose Beautiful Karen has a shot. I suppose Terrace Talon or Chase and Brin have chances. Oddly, Rudy has good numbers for what it's worth, um, second off the claim off of a wins in the dirt um, sprints and routes. So it's kind of interesting. He actually better in sprints, but he actually does well. When he gets into enough claims. Now, a lot of those stats are probably prior numbers when his numbers had been a lot stronger prior to Saratoga, but nonetheless, I thought it was worth pointing out, but I, I don't disagree with you. The two and seven are my top two choices in here. I just haven't hundred percent decided on the order.
0: Yeah. It felt like, uh, like that was a good spot to land. And then we go on to the third leg race, number five, which also kicks off the pick four to mile and the 16th on the outer turf course. I thought this was a super competitive race, and interested to hear where you landed. Yeah, no, I I don't disagree.
1: I mean, I think, I think the two can win. I know she's a little slow on on figures, or he is, but he was green in his debut. So he, even though he had a very good trip that day, he was green, and I'm not going to you know criticize him for his last race. That was a, a speed friendly track, and uh, you know I'm not going to knock him for that. So these boss Mister Kringle doesn't win, so I don't really care. I think Fatima, Fatima's blessing is not a horse that I want to. You know, screw around with, though obviously he's run well enough to be competitive. I think Citizen K is very dangerous. Um, he's actually the worst I, I'm going to pick in this race. I don't love the layoff, but I thought his last race was super. If he can refine that form, I think he's very tough. But I don't love Noble Huntsman, but he's not impossible. Starquist, the source I've always had a little other thing for, but I'm kind of done with him. He has a minimum turf pedigree. I guess Timbuktu isn't totally impossible, but I'm more looking at horses like the, the five and two are my main horses here, to be honest with you, with Citizen Kane, Liars, Poker. But I think it's a wide open race. I'm not going to knock any other opinions.
0: Yeah, I felt similarly. I mean, I thought I thought kind of the core group of horses that, that could win were the two, three, and five. And I know, as you mentioned, Mr. Kringle's had a hard time winning races. I, I wonder if maybe there's a little bit of consideration given to the fact that he has recent form and some of these horses are coming off of layoffs. I'm not as concerned about it with regards to Citizen K because Horacio DePaz actually has very solid numbers off of long layoffs and turf routes, almost a break even ROI and a twenty seven percent strike rate. I mean you you said it and if he runs back to his last race, I mean they're all in big trouble. Oh, he's he ran very, his very, last very, very, race. very well. Super. he was super but it bothers me a little that it wasn't, you know, November it
1: was September. So something went wrong that kept him from the track. So it's more than just the, you know, the winter layoff that concerns me a little bit.
0: Right. Exactly. It's not just turf season being gone that kept him on the, on the sideline. Um, I, I thought, uh, as you did that Liars poker was dangerous. He got a, I, I hoped that might, that he might be a little bit more involved early. He really wasn't all that slow last year. And, you know, maybe their best opportunity is to be somewhat forwardly placed. I think the, the pace scenario in here is not altogether clear. And I do think it would really behoove Manny to put Citizen K in the game because he's a horse who's had real speed, especially. I mean, two starts back, he, he was in the mix early and that race completely fell apart. So uh, I thought that would that would help his chances.
1: I agree. You know, it's interesting. I, 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 I had I had lunch with David Aragona yesterday. And I, I failed to ask him why he liked open till midnight. Um, because I have so much respect for David's opinion, and I think this horse is completely ridiculous in here. And I, I, I really wanted to ask him, because I, I respect him so much that I, it makes me want to put him in as a C somewhere. I just have no idea where he's going with this horse.
0: Yeah, I mean, those those two-year-old turf races, they came against... Fortunately, we have the ability at this point to look at who those horses were and year
1: old Oh well, yeah, we're two-year-old. Too.
0: you're right. I'm sorry. And he, and he, I mean, he didn't he didn't face very much in those races. No. I mean, the other thing is that you know his two-year-old form now. I mean, it, it's almost irrelevant because we're talking a year and a half later. But I mean, his two-year-old races relative to a horse like Liars Pokers, or I mean, they're just they don't compare. Right, so, he hasn't improved. I don't see where the improvement is with him. You know what I mean? Right. I, right. Anyway. He may have just been in the right place at the right time. I guess it is a little interesting that Jimmy Ryerson claims him back, um, perhaps with an eye on turf. And and I, I I've always liked Jimmy Ryerson. I feel like he's one of the one of the better underrated trainers in the yeah. in the circuit. But um, yeah, I I don't think I could quite get with this one. Maybe he thought he'd be forwardly placed as well. I don't know. He thought yeah, he so. could be original trainer of
1: Unbridled Song for really most of his career.
0: Yes, yeah, very true. Uh that's the third leg. On to race number six. Three more to go in this sequence. Race six is at a mile on the inner turf course. Maiden special weight runners. And I think the majority of the attention in this race will be on uh well, not altogether true. I mean, David made the two sacred rhyme the morning line favorite. This Colt is a half to Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf winner fire at will for a Peter Brandt and the Coolmore connections, progeny of Mendelssohn, 17% first-time turf. You know, this seemed like one of those situations where you you put this horse you figured this horse is going to be relatively short priced based on Chad and the pedigree and things like that the other issue that I kind of had was that I mean outside of one an award who's now coming back off a, a pretty lengthy layoff there's just not really any turf form in here and that's always tough to decipher
1: yeah I mean equal protection has that stay at the eighth pole but it's one of those trips where he was getting an absolutely perfect trip and then Tyler sort of got sucked into trying to go inside when it wasn't the right move and he had to angle around. I don't know how much more run he had after that, but it is a race that got a good enough figure that I don't want to, you know, I don't want to completely disregard it. Um, it is a race that collapsed. He was close to the pace. And I don't think you can just ignore equal protection because as you say, there really isn't any turf figure for him particularly to go on unless you want Warren award stretching out off his one race, which I suppose isn't possible, Right. Uh, impossible in there. But I mean, I think there are reasons to like equal protection. I just, I get the sense that you're not a big fan. Um, but he did improve a lot on the turf, so I wouldn't dismiss him. But he's not—he's going to be second choice, probably to Sacred Rhyme, right? Or even favorite, if for some reason they don't want to bet that horse. So the question is, is there anybody else you really want? Well, I don't want Mercante, who's a half to, you know, West Coast who's going to be bet because he's got, like, names in there that people recognize. So I certainly don't want him. Um, good Rapport doesn't seem like much of a horse. I, I, there is some pedigree, you know, for, for the six, Olana Honor. I don't want to totally dismiss that, right? It's a half to space launch. I don't know if you're getting a space. unless It's a Bernardini, so it's not like he's got a good dirt sire. It's also after to to Victim of Love, so it's dirt. But there is enough turf in the pedigree; you shouldn't totally ignore that horse. I don't want Twirler. <laughs> I think an interesting horse here is Fast Boat to Sky because even though it's not a, it's not a turf dam. It's Cairo Prince, right? And creative cause, you know, and the damn sire. So there's pedigree there. And this is a horse that's actually run okay in some races, and it doesn't really look like he's run as well as he has, right? His race two back, he was wide, down against the good rail. He's a little bit interesting here Fast Boat to Sky. So maybe he's usable if you're looking for somebody. But this is the kind of race that you want to have a lot of coverage, I think, unless it just happens the two is going to win. But do we
0: really want to count on him to win? No, that seems that seems too risky, in my opinion. I think these situations where we just assume these horses are going to run well because of the pedigree and chat and this and that, are, are I think it's a little dangerous. Um, I, I agree with you on fastball. I actually had this horse picked fourth, and I, I what I thought to myself was that Donk probably shut him down with an eye on the turf. And I mean, historically, I don't have numbers to back it up, so it's, it's purely anecdotal, but I mean, Dave Donk's always been good in April at Aqueduct on the turf because his barn has a lot of turf horses in it, and he knows which one's... Are going to be ready early in the season, as far as the equal protection race. I don't have a big opinion against equal protection, and and I do think the public is going to is going to somewhat strongly gravitate towards him because of the lack of turf form in the field. Operation Torch also won the nightcap at Keeneland on Saturday afternoon, got an eighty five buyer, so presumably is on the fast track to being a stakes horse if he could continue to improve. So I think he may have ended up in the uh, you know in the wrong kind of spot in his first turf try. It was good to see him run a little bit because. He sure as hell hadn't run it all in his first two starts. So he's he's obviously a better horse on the turf. But um yeah, I mean I guess, you know, kind of one, two, nine for me and and just hope to get through it.
1: Yeah I'm going to use 1 2 and 8 would like the 9 you know and somewhere the 9 would be a C I think that the uh, the 6 would be a C you know something like that would be more like where where I was looking to go in there um, Yeah
0: the Jorge Duarte stretch out numbers as you said are good the layoff numbers really aren't so that was kind of the the mitigating circumstance to I me mean, that was a weaker than par maiden special weight race 2 1 by 30 that he debuted in back in uh, in late October so kind of a Kind of an interesting. I also noticed in here that Bill Mott is training a horse for Jack Oxley. I don't recall seeing the Seven Twirler. I don't recall him seeing uh, wow. Horse. Yeah, I, I don't think I have either. either. Yeah. yeah. Did Marcassi seen this yet? I certainly hope not, because he might not uh, might not be too pleased. <laughs> <laughs> on to the seventh, first half of the late double at a mile on the main track, and uh, this is a, a an interesting race with a second time starter coming back from a very long layoff. Are you? Uh, you're for or against chasing daylight. I think I know the answer.
1: Well, this is not the kind of horse that I'm going to be looking to bet on. I mean, I wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to have five of six and, 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 and have been really smart in the other races and lose the Vic Six. The horse would be a B or maybe C somewhere. It depends what you want to spend or it depends what you can afford to spend. But I don't think there's anything that exciting about her per maiden win first amount. But Bavarian Cream's improved since then. I don't think Bavarian Cream that was second there is Bavarian Cream that's been running recently not impossible. I'm, I'm more interested in Juliana's Rose and my first love. I went four one six here. I'm hoping Julianna's Rose can find that good race again. Maybe she need a little bit of a layoff, So, you know, a little bit time off. I'm just partial to this revolutionary. She's probably the best revolutionary, right?
0: a a former Derby pick of mine to bring our conversation full circle. So, yeah, I was actually uh, pleased really to think see him? the matchup.
1: I did, I did like revolutionary. I was, I was like one to nine on closing day at Belmont to that. Marina, who's the trainer who had him? I think they sold him and he never did any good. You're like a 102 buyer oh, beat Revolutionary. I believe Revolutionary was the heavy favorite in the maiden race on Cigar Mile Day that Orb won. I think
0: that's exactly right. Um,
1: he was I in some sort of famous races, of him. But he also won like the Risen Star, right? Or Louisiana Derby,
0: or both. So he won the Louisiana Derby. Uh, with a big, kind of a big, flashy, wide move. I'm actually pulling up his PPs. He lost at one to five to Little Distorted. Yeah, that was the worst. Mike Morena, exactly. Yep, it was at Belmont, October of 2012. And then he lost to uh, Orb in his next start. And interestingly, a subsequent graded stake winner was second in that Orb maiden race, where Revolutionary ended up third. Yeah. Who was it? Freedom Child who won the following year's oh, Peter wow. Pan, Yeah, West Point horse, sure. He became was, he a, a bit of, of a nights. yeah, a bit of a darling of of some going what's that?
1: I'm not sure he ever ran again after the Belmont.
0: He ran the Belmont, yeah. yeah. No, he, he ran after the Belmont. I don't think he ran after the Belmont, no. No. That, I don't, that I don't Marina
1: think. That, that horse um that distorted horse, I think that they somebody bought him and he went to um he went to Marty Wilson and he sort of bombed in Florida, I
0: think. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember him running in a in a sprint stake. Yeah, actually, Freedom Child one of those. Freedom yeah, yeah. Child ran ran one more time, and shamefully, he ran in a race where you and I were sitting next to each other at Saratoga. Um, he ran the Jim Dandy, the he Palace did. Malice one. Yeah. Finished last, never ran again. Little palace Malice, Palace Malice, and a uh, uh, horse had a very nice nice run. Didn't last long enough, but. Did a good little run there he, in 20, he was 2013. He was
1: good. He was good. Yeah. yeah he, was. he was good. He was good. No, yeah. the Travers. He got unlucky in the Travers, and probably should have won. And then he, you know, and then he was okay for a little while. He so was a three, four year old. He won the Met. He fell apart right after that, right? Uh, he, he did exactly. Whitney, I think.
0: He he flopped in the Whitney, and that was that. And then I think they they brought him back for a little bit of a campaign the next year, and and that was it. Little Distorted ran in the Swale, finished sixth, ended up making the final, roughly thirty. Starts of his career at Camarero in Puerto Rico. Ah, ran until 2019 too. Wow, wow, yeah, yeah. Wow. Made of iron. Um, anyway, you and I could get stuck in this rabbit hole forever. I agree with you on Juliana's Rose, and, and you know, I wanted to. I'm glad that we're talking about this horse because, I mean, I, I bring this up to pretty much everybody that wants to talk to me about New York racing is uh, is to use your track trends that are on the Naira website, and I think people in general, I don't want to say they don't have the ability, but I think the I think the the subjectivity of assigning a bias to a given day is a little bit removed from the way that you try and handle it. And you explain a little bit about what you put on there. I mean, I think there's no denying that the uh, the racetrack that Juliana's Rose ran on last time, right. the rail was good. I mean, it wasn't a gold rail by any means, but it was a good rail. More importantly, she was squarely up against it with the trip that she had. Um,
1: I'll, I'll reveal something mildly here. There's a project being worked on to try to Put some numbers to biases that's being currently worked on, that hopefully we'll be talking about more later.
0: I it's going to be better than those old uh, those bias numbers that that uh, that we've saw in the DRF in the past. I, not I, in the DRF. I don't know
1: what okay. in DRF don't get me started but
0: yeah i mean i i I, yeah thank you
1: on the track trends it's a labor of love and i like doing it and it's listen it's great for me i mean to be honest with you it's great i i have all the pages open on my computer and i i use them constantly to go back and you know some days i'll remember pretty implicitly but i use them all the time and i think it's a you know and i i listen there i will make it clear in those when i think it's questionable one way or the other and I'm not looking for biases, as you know. I know there's a misconception that I, I, I'm always looking for bias. I'm not. I think the tracks are fair most of the time. We've, I think we've had a slight advantage to the rail on more occasions than not this winter. But I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that we got so much rain. Yeah, I do think it was weather-induced. And- yeah, because after the rain, you'd have a little bit of an inside bias. But I think for the most part, we've had a pretty fair
0: track, all these good stuff. I agree. I thought the I thought the, uh, the racetrack that my first love ran on was I thought the rail was very good that day as well. That was not that a rail oriented race, right? right. That, that race right. collapsed,
1: so I don't want to make too much. I just I honestly, that was a situation where the race was too short for.
0: I agree. I agree. I think the mile suits are much better. I also. uh I mean her her first two races after changing Barnes to Jimmy Ferraro were very, very good. And then I thought she followed it up with a good effort behind Tough Street, who, you know, for that level is a is a solid competitor. She's the horse um, to beat here. It's not even close. I mean, oh definitely. No, she's a morning line favorite at two to one. And I think the expectation is that she is uh she is the horse to beat. As far as chasing daylight goes, I mean, you mentioned that uh, that she beat Bavarian cream. Of course, that was a def- definitely a different version of Bavarian cream. This is just a big ask to me. Jorge De Bru- Abreu, who I think is terrific, but from a small sample, he's oh for five it's off hundred eighty plus it's day layoffs and dirt routes. Yep. Yeah, it's tough, tough to have a horse ready for this kind of engagement off of that layoff. But she, this is not the toughest field. She's certainly not impossible.
1: She not. It's just not my cu- my cup of tea to take layoff horses at short price, especially for trainers that don't have particularly good numbers. Though no, it's not a huge sample size, and I agree, TC's a good trainer. It's just
0: his numbers. Not when good. there are viable alternatives in there, one of which does not include Freddie Mo Factor, who, of course, is named for our dear friend Freddie Mo, who uh, even you know, Freddie always- Mo couldn't help this horse. Freddie, Freddie Mo's magic would not do the trick for Freddie Mo factor this time around. That takes us to the nightcap, which is a really interesting six furlong turf sprint on the, uh, on the outer turf course. And we have the one, two finishers from the one and only aqueduct turf sprint championship of 2022, a race that is just in dire need of a, of a name. There's gotta be somebody out there that we can, I want to name, name the Belmont one for disco partner. Um, I think that's a no brainer. I agree. I, mean, I agree. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's that for sure. We should name um, the Aqueduct Turf Sprint Champions for Glenn Kozak.
1: Might have, as well, right? It's
0: it uh, in this day and age, to see how green those two turf courses are in early April in New York, he deserves at least a race name. For Glenn it.
1: Kozak is a man whose name will never be forgotten in racing, uh, racing surface management, and shouldn't be course racing in general.
0: That is a fact right. and he deserves every bit of it. This is a, this is a really interesting group. You've got some horses who, you know, are likely using this for a spot down the road. I mean, the majority of them are using it for a spot right. down the road, the but um, you know, I, I liked Anaconda and I don't, you know, I don't have a a huge opinion on him being a lot better than horses like thin white Duke or nothing better. I just wondered if he might have a little bit of an advantage in terms of recency. Joe Sharp sent this horse all around the world so far this year but not I felt much. like he'd get a, get a good trip stocking on the inside. Yeah, I got a
1: stat. Joe Sharp's 0 for 11 with two hitting the board on synthetic to turf for what it's worth. And 0 for 4 in sprints with none hitting. And yeah, hitting I had
0: it, I have it written down. I actually wrote down 0 for 12. It's a, um, it's, a
1: small, it's a small sample size, but...
0: No, it's a troublesome stat. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. It's,
1: it's, it's a troublesome stat. I, I, it's not impossible. Listen, this race is great. This is a great race. This race is a total war. I mean, nothing better is obviously very, very dangerous in here. Um, the entry is is dangerous. The problem is I'd kind of be interested in yes and yes, who kind of got unlucky late in the year and I think is better than his form looks. But, and obviously the stronger half is thin white Duke, but yes and yes would be such a good price on his own. And with thin white Duke, you're not going to get much price. I think straight answer is very dangerous for Brad Cox because even though he's a turnback and his, his numbers of turnbacks are okay at best for Brad Cox, he's not necessarily a router. I mean, this a horse that ran second to Dr. Zempf. What price did you make him in the in the Maker's Mark Mile behind yeah, Modern six, Games? Six to one, right? He, he could have been Single one of the favorites if it hadn't been for Modern Games being in there. Um, so this horse ran against real horses, Native Trail. You know, he ran against some of the best horses um, of his of his of his group of his, of his generation when he was when he was over in Europe going shorter. So I'm not sure he's not a horse that can't be more effective going shorter. But the horse I'm most interested in is Slipstream. The, the race that he ran in the palisades was terrific last year and i know twilight gleaming was not one of the world's great wesley ward horses but he wasn't bad and they took a shot and ran Ascot. okay there wasn't they weren't missing a lot it blew up in their face but he's not at two the seven for a half four race are mile races he's not a miler we saw that in the breeders cup and it was behind dr Zep the boot and <laughs> he had a bit of a trip in there being between horses i mean he saved ground. But he got between horses and he wasn't in a great spot. And I think this is the race that's crying out for him. It's a very tough race. He's going to have to show he's good enough to beat these horses. But I do think he's a dangerous horse in here.
0: I agree. I, I, I thought he was one of the three or four that I would definitely uh, definitely want to use. I, I mean, for speaking of horses in this race that are going to be, uh, I mean, mid-range prices and certainly at least have speed figures on their side. What did you think of Comedy Town for Mike Maselli? who uh, got a 98 buyer speed figure when he was last seen losing by a nose to Caratari. But that was all the way back in September of last year. He's, he's somewhere better than, you know, can't win, but
1: that's the only race. And it was listen off the claim for Mike Maselli. So there is something to be said for that, but what happened to him since then? Okay. He didn't miss that much time. He probably missed one more race, right? He missed maybe running in the, the aqueduct turf championship. Um, He ran well in the noble motion race. He's not going to win this race off that race. So I think the race is, I guess he's not impossible. I just, I just thought I liked others better, but he's not impossible. You know, there's only so many horses you can like, but once again, he's he's at least a C for me, depending on where you go to the races. I think this pick six playing it is, and and theoretically hitting it, is going to depend on how much money you have to spend and, and where you get the horses, because I can see, who the likelier winners are in these races, but it's not going to be a cheap ticket and it's not going to be easy to get them all on one ticket.
0: That's what I was just I mean, going to say. Like logic. somewhat logically. Yeah. Getting them on one ticket is going to be the big challenge. Cause it does look like there's a few, you know, zig when they zag type scenarios. And this is a really tough race to end it. I mean, you could be, you could be three deep to end it here and have gotten your way through a pretty tough sequence and still have a, a lack of confidence. Sure. Um, yeah, it's there's um, going to nope, be a nope. certain
1: amount of randomness here. I mean, I think one of the things that's appealing about a horse like I assume nothing better is the favorite in here is that he's supposed to be forward. Now obviously anything can happen, but it's never a bad thing to make sure you've got the horse that's supposed to be in front.
0: Yeah, I think that uh that's a certainty. I think David made him 7 to 2, so he is a slight favorite the entry he has at 5 and slipstream at 9 to 2. That seems about right. I think I think that's a pretty fair price all in all on slipstream who yeah, obviously, you draw a line through everything but his turf sprints, and um, including the Ascot race, and uh, you're dealing with a horse that there's a, there's a lot to offer there, no doubt. Yeah, no, and I think he got the absolute perfect prep
1: um, in his last race. I think it turned out to be the right spot as opposed to running hard in a sprint. He ran hard, but he in a race that he sort of couldn't win. So, yeah, listen, I think it's a it's a terrific, terrific race. It's not going to be easy. but It's a very fun sequence, but it's not going to be easy, I think.
0: And you're going to have to, you know, listen, pick sixes are about getting by potholes, right? Exactly. Yep. great to have an opportunity to throw some turf races in there as well. I mean, this always spices up the racing a little bit, and we have uh, three more weeks at Aqueduct, including this upcoming weekend. So a lot to look forward to. Thanks so much, Andy. This has been great, and we got to give everybody a little look at the pick six and, of course, other musings that you and I could have gone about uh, random things for quite a while.
1: I'm sure we could award people with a lot of idiotic stuff that we find fascinating that nobody else does.
0: A narrow window into what our conversations generally look like, <laughs> where it's one one rabbit hole after another. That's going to do it for this uh, In the Money Players podcast edition. Big thank you to Andy and to our friends at the New York Racing Association the Faithful a participant and a sponsor of the network. We're very glad to have them on board once again. Again, this sequence begins in race three on Thursday afternoon. You can catch Andy, of course, on the broadcast each and every day at uh, Aqueduct and moving on to Belmont now in three weeks. Mark Henick took a picture of the Belmont turf courses this morning. They look absolutely phenomenal, and it made me kind of smile in a way thinking about Derby Week and getting back to Belmont Park. That's going to do it. A big thanks to all of you. Write, rate, like, subscribe, do all those things. Until next time, best of luck.